Happy Easter. Wow. What a morning. It's an amazing time of year. It's a great privilege to be able to speak on Easter. This is the, the bulwark, this is the foundation, this is the most significant time of our year. We often celebrate Christmas more than we celebrate Easter, don't we? Because it's easy to celebrate a newborn baby. I got the privilege of going to see Max and Romana, mum and baby are doing well this week, and I, I held a newborn baby, get this, for the first time ever. Lord, give me courage. I, uh, I've always had the chance and always turned it down because they're so little I thought I would break them. But I've stepped out in faith and I held a newborn baby. It's easy to celebrate a newborn baby, isn't it? It's harder to celebrate a blood-stained corpse hanging from a tree. And parents, I just want you to know, I make no apologies for the graphic nature of some of the words that we've used today because it's true. We shouldn't water down the gospel for our children because it's true. I'm not going to be overtly offensive because that would be stupid, but I'm going to tell you the true gospel. It's easier to celebrate a newborn baby, a coming saviour. Everything's in the future still, right? It's amazing. He's going to win. He's won what we expected. We expected a knight in shining armour coming in with his army and he was going to defeat everybody, but instead we got a cute little pink newborn baby. That's cool. But this is the backbone of our faith. This is where the rubber hit the road. This is where things got real. Because this is where Jesus died. How can our champion, how can our newborn baby win anything if he's dead? If we go back a few days, we're not a, a traditionalist kind of church, so I think you'd all know that by now. But a lot of churches met on Friday. And they had a good Friday service, and they talked all about Jesus' death. Okay, last Sunday we talked about Palm Sunday, but we're jumping straight to the good bit, right? We're reading the back cover of the book, we're doing the spoiler alerts. We win today. Jesus raises from the dead, but let's go back a little bit. Three days ago, Jesus was betrayed by his friend, sold over for 30 pieces of silver, unfairly judged. Do you know, if you think about it, on the top of the cross, they wrote, King of the Jews. They never said he claimed to be King of the Jews. He never said he said he was King of the Jews. Why? Because even the powers and principalities that are in place in the day knew that he was King of the Jews. He was King of the Jews. Sold out for 30 pieces of silver, unfairly tried, beaten and tortured, all to fulfill prophecy. There could have been a million other ways that this could have been accomplished in his own strength, but he didn't. He had to go with prophecy. He had to go with what was said about him. Do you know, he fulfilled hundreds of prophecies in a very short space of time, most of which around this time of his life. He was hung on a cross. Great big nail stakes through his hands and his feet. By his hands, they mean his wrists. Do you know if they put them in the hand, in the palm of the hand, the bones are so small that the weight of the body would have ripped the body from the cross and he would just ended up splitting his hands. So they have to put it in this part of your wrist because there's a bone that goes across the bottom of your palm of your hand to stop that happening. This was not designed to be a quick death or a painless one. This was designed as a political punishment 
for rebels against the crown, rebels against the, the dominant power of the day. This was meant as humiliation. This was supposed to go on for days. A couple of miracles happened in the middle, I'm not going to go through everything. One is that he did die quickly. He died within just a couple of days. How did our champion die? He's our superhero, right? Some of us guys went to the cinema last night and we watched that new film called Shazam. There's lots of kids in here that are going to want to go and see that film Shazam. I wouldn't swear it was atrocious for a 12, it's appalling. But he's a superhero, right? And he's suddenly a, a 14 year old boy and gets zapped by some wizard and lightning and he becomes a superhero and he's bulletproof. And he flies through the sky and he can beat up villains and hundreds of miserable demons and all sorts of funny things. But he's a superhero. Superheroes don't die. Our champion died. Our superhero died. What happened in between? We know that he, he came back to life today. And that's why we're here, right? We're going to celebrate that. But there's a whole day in the middle. Where, where did he go? What did he do? I wish the Bible was clear on this, but it's my firm belief, and there is some theology behind this, but I can't preach this fact because it's not. But it's my firm belief that he went and defeated Hades. There are three Bible verses that point towards the fact that Jesus didn't go up to heaven at that time. He went down to hell, and he defeated Satan. He defeated death. And then that's where he's risen from. Why? Because when he ascends again, when he comes back and he reveals himself to those wonderful women that Tim was telling us about, he says, I have not yet ascended to my father. We know his physical body was in the tomb, but his spirit and his soul were in Hades, Sheol, hell, whatever you want to call it. He was defeating the enemy. When he said he was finished, he meant it, he won. It feels like over the past few months, we've been building to something pretty special. We've gone through Acts, we've gone through Romans, We've taken breaks for when Alan came. We've taken breaks for, as my friend lived back nicely put it the other day, when the Holy Spirit keeps on breaking out and I don't preach on what I'm supposed to preach on. We've done a lot. But if I say these words to you now, those of you that have been amongst us every week will, will recognise the phrases. How often have we said in the last 12 months that you have been saved by grace alone? If we could have done it in reverse, that would have been our theme. I wish I'd thought of it at the start of the year. But you have been saved by grace alone. Not by works, not by being special, but by being chosen. By his grace. In the last few months, we've built on that. And said, not only have you been saved by grace, but you've been saved for a purpose. You've been saved for a purpose. You've been saved by grace alone, but you've been saved a purpose. Remember we made that whole list didn't we? To help the poor to pray for the sick to be just, to love one another, to raise one, in, one another up. You know we, we've been through it to make disciples of all nations today we're reading out of Matthew 27 and Matthew 28 and at the end of Matthew 28 is the Great Commission at the end of Matthew 28 is why you took up an offering a couple of weeks ago to send us to Zambia because we're going to go and make disciples of all nations the reason I go more than once to Zambia, or to India, or to Mongolia, or to wherever else I go, is not because it doesn't say go and convert as many people as possible. It doesn't say go and preach the gospel as often as possible. It says go and make disciples. Discipleship is a relationship. Discipleship is a process. 
I am being discipled by people in Africa. I am being discipled by people in America. I am being discipled by people in India. I, in turn, am discipling people in America. I, too, am, in turn, discipling people in Africa and India and every other nation you can think of. It says, go and make disciples. Friday represented a different message. Because it said, you were saved by grace alone. You were saved by grace alone for a purpose. But you were saved by grace alone for a purpose. At the cost. It's free to you. It wasn't free. Saved by grace for a purpose at a cost. I struggled in 2019, guys. Not my own faith, not my own walk. I love Jesus. I'm not perfect, I make mistakes. But when I talk to people and they say they're going to give their, their best, and then they don't, or they say they're not going to give their best because it's all about relationship. There's some validity in that, there is. When Bart Simpson says, I'm going to give my life to Jesus on the last day of my life so I can have all the, the good things in my life, but then still get to heaven at the end. When people say to me, if my sins are forgiven anyway, why can't I just go and do whatever the hell I please? No apologies for the language. Why can't I just go and do whatever I want and be forgiven anyway? Why? Because if you knew what the cost was, if you had to pay the price, you wouldn't behave in such a way. Would you? Children. I love children. They can ask you for stuff and you buy them stuff. And they break stuff and they eat stuff and they do all sorts of weird stuff. Because they don't understand the value of something. Because they never had to go to work for a month to get the wage packet that buys the new toy that you had to sacrifice something out of your own life to buy. No, they just see something fun and they smash it up against the wall when they get upset about something else. Why? Because they've not learned the value of something yet. Are we like toddlers who get given a toy? Who are going to smash our salvation against the wall and break it? I don't think it can be broken, but you get the general picture. Are we going to behave in such a way that we smash it against the wall? Or are we going to hold it in our hands and cherish it? And say, I recognize the price that was paid for my salvation. You are saved by grace alone, but for a purpose and at a cost. Easter is a wonderful time. Because on Sunday, he rose again. He came back. The price was paid. He won the victory in Hades. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to put myself out there and say it did happen. He defeated death and he defeated Satan. He defeated evil. And he's come back and he's won. And now we live in the in-between. Where you will have a choice. To follow him or to not follow him. No second chance. There's no universalism. No second chance after you get to hell. And yes, hell does exist. I'll fight with anyone of you over the subject. 
I mean that. Let's not get into heresy. But you want that little baby boy, that little baby who didn't look like a superhero, he won. He won by dying. He won by being betrayed. Got a brain teaser for Sunday afternoon? Jesus chose the 12 disciples, right? Jesus is God. Jesus knows the beginning from the end. He knew who was going to betray him before he chose them. He knew who was going to deny him before he denied him. And he still chose them. They were saved by grace for a purpose. But there was a cost. So what happened, I'm sure we're all familiar with the Easter story, but can we tell it anyway? Because it's Easter, right? And we want to celebrate. He's risen. Matthew 28. After the Sabbath had dawned on the first day of the week, that wonderful woman, Mary Magdalene, and the other Mary went to look in the tomb. Do you love that song? I love that song. When, when the ground shook and the stone was rolled away, I was so hoping we were going to sing that today. I know that song. I'm going to listen to it in the car on the way home. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on Its appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Here's that catchphrase again. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. We said this at Christmas. In fact, we say this almost every time we meet an angel. Their catchphrase is, do not be afraid. I believe for two purposes. One, angels are scary. They're giants with great big wings and fangs and, you know, they're scary things, okay? So I hope if I ever met one that they would say to me, don't be afraid. I'm not sure I'd listen, but I'd hope they'd say it to me. But I also think angels are messengers, like apostles. Angels are messengers being sent to us saying, don't be afraid. I've got this. I've got this. It's going to be okay. Don't be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said, <clears throat> Don't be afraid. It's that catchphrase again. Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There. I will see them. It goes on to give us the, the great commission I've already told you about later on in the book. Go and make disciples of all nations. Recently as a church we've been going through the Alpha course. We have four people come through Alpha. Four people have given their lives to Jesus. At least two of them are going to start coming to the church. One of them has talked about bringing their whole family to the church and they're coming back to Christ from, a, from years gone by. 
God is doing something amazing in this time and something amazing in this church because he's alive, because he's one. He's still working in his church today like he was 2,000 years ago. I'm going to be a little direct and a little controversial too because I remember pulling together this series of, of teaching on Romans and we got to Romans 13 and uh, they shall remain nameless but a number of my fellow preachers emailed me back and they said no Ricky you've got it wrong you can't preach on Romans 13 on Easter Sunday because it's Easter we preach about Easter on Easter Sunday and I said I didn't make a mistake because this is not just Easter Sunday this is Easter Sunday 2019 correct? not, not 2000 not 00608. This is 2019. It's the same Jesus. It's the same victory. It's the same gospel. It's the same resurrection. But it's 2019. Do you know what's different than 2019? We are. The world is in a different place. And we are in a different place. Of course, you all, all memorized your Bibles. So you know when I talk about Romans 13. Paul is teaching us about government and about authority. Guys, it's 2019. Do you know when they write history books about us and in this generation, what do you think they're going to talk about? When England almost won the World Cup? No. When Bristol City almost gained promotion to the Premier League? No, what are they going to talk about? I was told it was a banned word in this church. I'm going to unban it for the purposes of today. What are they going to write about? Brexit. Never heard of it, what's that? They're going to talk about Brexit. They're going to talk about Donald Trump, aren't they? Because let's face it, we're in the top five nations in the world, but we're not the biggest anymore. They're going to talk about the rise of China. They're going to talk about the fall of the church in the West and the raising of the church in the East, depending on which historian you want to read, okay? But this is what they're going to write about us. It's 2019. Every word in this book is still true. Does it need education? Yes. Does it need wisdom? Yes. Does it need understanding and interpretation? Yes, of course it does. But every word in this Bible is true. Somebody challenged me not so long ago and said, but most of the New Testament, that's just written by Paul, right? And he was expecting Jesus to come back on Wednesday. And when he didn't, he started to draw on his Jewish roots and his Jewish teaching and his Jewish history. And that's where all these rules and guidances came from in the New Testament. That may be true. But when Jesus was in heaven with his father, he appeared, didn't he, to one more person. He revealed himself, knowing the beginning from the end, and everything of the universe, Jesus decided to come and meet Mr. Paul, Mr. Saul, on the Damascus Road. Handpicked by Jesus himself, the ascended Jesus himself. Jesus knows the beginning from the end. 
Jesus knew he wasn't coming back on Wednesday. This man was handpicked. There is wisdom in these New Testaments. There is wisdom in these books. Yes, it does. Some of it needs interpreting. It does. Some of it was cultural. But don't, don't start ripping out pages because it doesn't fit 2019. We will fall out. So why am I saying this to you? Romans 13 tells us, as followers of Jesus, what to do. How cool is that? 2,000 years later, and he's still giving us instruction into the world where we live. What does he say? Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The title for my sermon today, as it has been a number of times in the past, is Jesus is still on his throne. My Jesus, my Saviour, King Jesus, is still on his throne. This is his kingdom. Did you ever wonder why Jesus uses the word kingdom more often than he uses the word family? Kingdom's a political word. Kingdom is a governmental word. Jesus wanted us to know that this was not some waffly, no reference to Waffle Church, this was not some waffly organisation on the side. This was a governmental structure with him at the head. Jesus is the head of his church. And this is the only kingdom that we need to be concerned with. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God had instituted. And those who do so will be bringing judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. I'm going to pause and say that's really hard. I'm not telling you this is easy. This is hard. Do you believe, I'm not asking for an altar call, answering your hearts, okay? Don't embarrass yourself in front of your neighbours. Do you believe that God is in control? Yes. Some of you were bold. Thank you. God is in control. God has got this. I believe. I trust him. If God has got this, God has got Ricky. God's got Ricky's mortgage. God's got Ricky's relationship. God's got Ricky's government too. God's got Ricky's aeroplane in the palm of his hand. And do you know how I know that flight is going to be safe? Because he told me to go. Pray for the return flight. Okay? Pray for the return flight. This is not easy. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay your taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. 
Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honour, then honour. It drew me to a few other verses that are related in 1 Timothy 2, 1-2, where it says, I urge them, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for some people. No, no, it doesn't. Sorry, it says for all people. For kings and all those in authority. We have a queen. I think you can translate that. We have a prime minister. We can, can translate that to all who are in authority. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. 1 Peter 2.17 says, Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. And honour the emperor. Emperor May. Emperor Chopper. These are our emperors. This is hard. I am not preaching today to support one political party or the other. I am not preaching today for you to agree with everything that they say and everything that they do. I stand here humbly today on Easter Sunday. Don't forget, politicians are doing the other thing, right? Have you read Theresa May's speech? It's beautiful, she talks about Jesus. Have you read the other fellow? I always forget his name, Corbyn. Have you heard his speech? He talks about Easter too. So it's funny that Ricky stands up and talks to you about politics, right? That's the irony, it's balance. I'm sorry about this. I'm going to get told off by the elders and wives later because we agreed we'd never talk about politics from the front. But if you really stop and review what I've said, I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about prayer. Pray for those who are in authority above us. Submit to their wisdom. Submit to their authority. Do you know what? If we do, we might have a better chance of having a word in that forum. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is on his throne. King Jesus, our champion, is on his throne. If he is on his throne, his underlings, his servants, the people he has put in place in our government, in our local council, in our churches, in our schools, our headmasters, I'm not just talking about political leaders. The next season we go into Ephesians, so we hit those controversial subjects, right, of how children should behave with their parents, and how husbands and wives should behave with one another. We're going to have fun with that one. How slaves should respond to their masters. It's 2019, it's irrelevant, right? But there is underlings. I want you to know, when we preach the Easter story, it's often repeated. Today I want to draw a different emphasis. We know the story. Many of us here have heard the story before. If you haven't, come see me afterwards. I apologise for not really doing it justice. But I didn't want to waste our time together repeating something that we knew. I want to bring all glory to him. All glory to him. 
Did you ever stop and think about the world that Jesus lived in? He didn't live in 2019. Apologies for the rough notes. Before he was born, a king plotted to murder him. Shortly after his birth, he was taken into hiding. He was a refugee. A hostile environment in an occupied nation. Imagine if Jesus was born in France during the World Wars. As a Frenchman, we know Jesus was Jewish. Yeah? Yes, that's right. He wasn't a Christian. He was Jewish. It's funny, that, isn't it? He was born into an occupied nation. There were political uncertain times. Through an unfair and corrupt government system, taxes were often overcharged and local people were treated unfairly. There were two legal systems in place. One of their nation, their laws, their, their Jewish nation, but also one of the Roman Empire. So one of Britain and one of Europe. Perhaps you could say that. One of your own nation and one of the presiding superpower. We call it the United Nations. You could easily call it America, right? There's a superpower that's in charge. Human rights laws come from that place. They decide who's a war criminal and who's a war hero. Now this will upset some of you. Because sometimes they've done the same things. Just depends on whose side they were on at the time. Will define whether they were a villain or a hero. We live in similar times. Jesus knew what he was talking about. At the beginning today we prayed for the guys around the world. And I quote to you John 10.10. 10. And I want to leave it with John 10.10. 10. Is that okay? And look at that, we're finished really early as well. It's nice. The enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy. For I have come so that you might have life and life to the full. 2019, Brexit, Donald Trump, bombs going off in Australia, kids killing Muslim people, bombs going off in Sri Lanka, killing Christian people, hundreds of pastors being killed worldwide every day that we just don't tell you about it, because we just get saved if we said the same thing every week. Men, women, children, murdered, killed, abducted, millions of refugees in the world, millions. The enemy has come to steal and destroy. Jesus has come so that we might have life and life to the full. Remember, he won. He's won. We have the victory. Have a great Sunday, people.